recording, recording. So here we are again, episode 27 of Witchy Bites. Woohoo! Woo. I can't believe we've hit 27 episodes. <laughs> no, no. And, and it's our birthday episode. Yay! So we have actually been doing this for two years now? Can you believe it? When no. we first started, when we hatched <laughs> this plan... When you were house sitting, <laughs> being, <laughs> making our first recording, yeah, and being bitten by the lovely Luxor, the cat, not by a person, a cat. That was that was it. And I remember us going like we went to Sydney for your graduation. Yeah. And that was when we were like really hashing it out and planning what we're yeah. going to do for our episodes and stuff. God, I graduated two years ago. That's that's scary. Two years ago since we went to Sydney together. That's. Ah, pre-COVID days. Wow. (laughs) Back when we could travel. Yay. (laughs) Well, the rest of Australia is getting to that point and we're in a three-day lockdown. Yeah, some (laughs) douche canoe decided that the best way to come into the state was to come in on the last plane so that he would go into hotel quarantine without all the proper, like you have to have the passes yeah. and testing and stuff to prove that you can come into the state. So they tested him. And then overnight he broke out of quarantine and went on a joint around the suburbs of Hobart eight, for 18 hours. And then his test came back positive. So yes, we're in a three day lockdown. Which sucks. <laughs> yeah. So we haven't had much of a like really hardcore lockdown like this. But um, yes, the main reason it, we are being told is because he isn't cooperating. He's not telling people in authorita where he's been, what he's done. So I know people in Melbourne are like, oh, three day lockdown. Yeah, like Sydney, nothing. Three day lockdown. Yeah. And it's not actually the lockdown that's bothering us like it is for like small businesses and yeah. people that had weddings planned for this weekend and hmm. all that stuff it's that this guy just so blazingly didn't give a crap about an entire state that yeah. was essentially covid free except for one person in quarantine so yeah. anyway. so if all we have is this three-day lockdown we will be still be very lucky but just at the second i'm kind of over it <laughs> Because of the reasons, not because actually doing it. I don't mind a bit of hibernation personally. Yeah, as long as it's not like three, six months, like yeah, some of a... the mainland places that yeah. had a three-day snap lockdown and it's still lockdown. So, yeah. yeah. This is not that and we're not complaining about it because of no, that. We're not upset about the lockdown. We're itself. upset about a fucking dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> Which is what the news article – have you seen the news headlines? Like the Mercury had one saying, COVID-idiot. Another <laughs> one was like, one dickhead's not going to beat us and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, Australian news headlines are the best. Yeah. <laughs> there were so many people yesterday when because I was waiting for the bus and because everyone was panic buying, I think I waited for an hour and no bus no bus came. Like, it just Was that come. before the 6 o'clock? Yeah. Yeah, I was late. Right. I was late home. I didn't make the six o'clock deadline because I was trying to get home. Um, yeah. But so many people were just like, "I'm, oh, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill that guy. I hate yeah. him. That bloody yeah. dickhead." Like everybody was just like, complaining. And I was, yeah, I, I got it. But hopefully, it's only three days, and then we can continue on. <laughs> Woohoo! <Yay. laughs> Did I tell you I went to a um a spring equinox ritual? 
You told me you were going, but oh, you I went. Yeah, yay! yay. <laughs> that was before five joeys. <laughs> that was before five joeys. At Good. that stage, I had what? Still three. I oh, had three already. Okay, yeah. Not sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I couldn't do it now. No. I have no life when I have joeys. It just takes all my time. Yes. Are you going to bless them at Sowen slash Beltane? You should. I should. You should. Bless I should. Them. Yeah. Yeah. I made a witch's bottle for Ooh. one of them because nice. one of them was was sick and because oh, yeah, I have yeah, to yeah, yeah. toilet them. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I have to make them go to the bathroom. Lots of animals do that, by the way. It's not just. Yeah. It's not a weird native animal thing. Like cats and dogs do it to their babies. So just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just help them go while they're little and still yeah. developing. So yeah, I collected some of the urine and made a witch's bottle. Cool. Now your 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 ritual. Oh yeah, said, yes. no, it was it's really nice. So it was it was a Wiccan ritual, which is obviously not something that I'm. Yep. You know, I do like we we kind of <clears throat> when we have done rituals, we followed that style. Yeah, we've done. Um, we've, we had a go. Yeah, for a while, yeah. You know, we like that's easiest ways to follow yeah. those that style of you know calling the elements and all that kind of stuff. I don't think I've been to like a public one with everything before. Yeah. Would yeah, have been interesting. It was. It was really. Um. It was really cool, and it was just really. It was just really nice to be with a group of, you know, other pagan yeah. folk. Yeah. It was part of. So the Australian Wiccans conf- conference was on on the same weekend. Yep. And it was sort of done as part of that. Like okay. it was that ritual that they had planned that they did, and they made these beautiful spring queen using like just lots of different plants and stuff and Ooh. it was just gorgeous so i'll yeah. show you a photo later but yeah that's cool. on my instagram on dumpling Ooh. squid if people want to go have a look but um yeah so it was cool because it was a, a smallish group like a people you didn't know too well but it was still quite a small group wasn't it, it wasn't like public public it was just yeah it was by yeah. invite only um, yes, a yeah. lot of the people are known from the tassie pagan scenes so it was just it was really nice and a lot of the people live in the Huon. that's always nice yeah yeah so it was just kind of it was kind of cool and I felt even though I you know how awkward I feel with people I don't know and yeah I don't know um, if I could have gone to the ritual you you did, you did good man <laughs> I just talked to people about cats <laughs> good idea <laughs> that was kind of like my my they're probably like wow that girl's really into into cats. <laughs> it's a good opener. I must remember that. Hi, do you have cats? <laughs> you have a ragdoll? Tell me about that. Is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I talking about your kids? Like, yeah, do you have cats? Like, tell me about your cat. I don't care what it is. Yeah, I just, you know, sat in front of the fire and, yeah, yeah. Just, that's what I did. So, you know, it was fine. I, you know, obviously I didn't feel super comfortable because of my anxiety around being new people around new people but um and yeah, it, was but nice. it, it also it wasn't a huge group either no, so it was about 20 people oh that's a bit bigger than i thought i thought it was about 10 so no, yeah. that's good that's good yeah that would have been a nice yeah. size like still yeah. intimate but enough people to really i don't know draw in more energy and make it an event rather than just yeah. a group of people or your friends getting together or something yeah and you You've just been working, haven't you? I've just been working. I've recently moved library, so I'm working in a different library, so I've been getting used to that. Mm-hmm. And I've signed a lease on a place, on a house. So Woo-hoo! me and my cat are going to be moving. So I've 
not much magic over this side. Um, lots of work changes and, um, yeah, soon I'll be moving. So maybe even by the next time, oh, maybe not. Um, by the next time we get together, I may have done some more magical, <laughs> anything magical. But, um, yeah, I am probably going to try and undertake what I have researched today mm-hmm. to talk about, which is why I decided to research it because I was going to anyway. So mm-hmm. my topic today is house blessings oh, or house cleansing. I love this. So I had plans to, to do it. So I thought, well, instead of like researching later, I'll do it now for this and um, I can report back later for the next one if I actually have gotten to do it by then. And then you can come back and listen to it if you Yeah, because I won't remember anything. (laughs) I did that with our Beltane episode. I was like, I "I need to like pre, I need to think about what I'm going to do. And I was like, I can't remember anything. Oh, my God. And I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll just go back and listen to that episode. (laughs) I did. It was yeah. cringy. There were bits in it where I was like, oh, yeah, that's that was, yeah, we'll call that a learning experience. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're running out of learning experiences to have because we've been doing this for a little while now. We can't say we're still learning. Uh, so my topic um, is going to yes. be about the sustainability of sandalwood. And so I'm not talking worldwide sustainability, like I'll mention it, but it's mostly about Australia because we're one of the biggest exporters oh, of sandalwood so mm-hmm. Ooh. yeah we do like 80 percent. so holy moly yeah really? i did not know that this is going to be quite a learning experience for me yeah i will have yeah. to go into like some of the ecology because it matters for the sustainability obviously yes, yes, but yes, yes. um yeah so there was an article recently in the abc that yes. i read and i was yep. like oh this is fascinating so yeah, i yeah. saw the headline and i was like i've got to read that and then not very long after you're like, I'm going to do this as my topic. So I'm like, okay, I won't go back and read that article. I'll just leave that and Liz can tell me all about it. I mean, I could probably do like a three-hour episode on sandalwood. There is so much information out there. Like if I wanted to cover the whole yeah. thing, not just sustainability, but um, yeah. I'm actually, for future reference, in case I do listen to this again in the future, because <laughs> I will, I'd like to do more on sustainability and like the ecological impacts of slash how we can that's make any sense i'd like to do more on sustainability in witchcraft and how that intersects because i'm moving out obviously so i've been thinking a lot about you know how i'm going like different products i'm going to buy different things i'm going to buy for my house like what i'm going to do in my house because i share a house with my parent and sibling at the moment so there's not a lot like some things I can't control because other people buy the products or it's a shared responsibility or whatever. So I've been thinking a lot about those kinds of issues around my ha- my tiny household of one plus cat. So <laughs> I'll obviously extend that pretty soon and, and um, once I moved in and be thinking about it with my craft. So that's actually something I'd like to have in future, like as a future topic or topics. So you're just doing it around sandalwood. Are you going to do particularly Australian, like what happens here with our production kind of thing? Or yeah, so I, I, uh, yes, yes, okay. but um, yeah, I'll have to get into it in the episode because okay. it's not. Yay. It's a bit complicated. Okay, and the sustainability of it is complicated. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Yeah, good. Not good that it's complicated, but good that you're going to tell me about it. Yeah, I just said it. This is an interest of mine. So, 
Yeah. And I've been thinking about it a lot, so. Yeah. Different area, but yeah. Yeah, I certainly won't be telling you whether, you know, whether you should or yeah. shouldn't buy sandalwood. That's yeah, yeah. going to be up to you to make the decision on. Um, yeah, but I certainly have lots of conflicting feelings. And even if it's it gets people thinking about it, like talking mm. about it to do with sandalwood, like talking about it to do with um, white sage, mm. that kind of thing, and also like different area, like that the um, cultural appropriation stuff around using white sage in different ways. Yeah, sure. People might not change what they do, but at least they think about it. So the sustainability aspect is the same. They may not. Yeah. They may still buy sandalwood, but at least they are thinking about what they had in the episode. It might, it might influence them. Yeah, it, at yeah. least you'll be making informed choices. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go first then? Obviously I wanted to do this because I want to do a house blessing or a cleansing of my new place when I move in. So what what is it? So what is this thing? When I was researching, I just put in house blessing into Google. Thanks. Thanks, Google. And I got a lot of Christian stuff. <laughs> Even when I put in house cleansing or house clearing, it was all lots of Christian stuff. So lots of prayers, lots of um, rituals based around different aspects of Christianity, which surprised me because I thought blessing, house blessing, yeah, okay, there might be some Christian stuff with that. But there was a lot of a lot of Christian stuff, no matter sort of what terms you used, which surprised me, but it was all very interesting. I didn't write it down, but there was, it comes about because of a certain passage in the Bible that I think has to do with, for people who don't know, and don't quote me on this because it's digging a long way back trying to remember, um, the Christmas story. So when Jesus was born in Bethlehem and the Magi came to see him, I think there's some small part of a passage there that talks about house, like blessing the house. They came to bless the home where he was born, like the place where he was born. So I think some of it came from that, but, yeah, don't quote me on it because I didn't write it down and I can't quite remember. Whenever I hear Magi, I just think Evangelion. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. The three wise men. Better? Three wise men. Yeah, it kind of they helps. Were the, there's, they were the, the, three there's the Magi system and there were three, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. My mother is a mother, my mother is a woman, and my mother is a scientist. Those were the three Magi. That's right. Yeah. I did watch it not that long ago. <laughs> that wasn't the order they went in either. And I remember one was called Balthazar, and that was her as a woman, and that was the only one that could, like, withstand the angel attack okay moving on. <laughs> enough <laughs> enough of this anime talk we did also spend an hour before this talking about rupaul's drag race but you're not hearing any of that we're talking about house <laughs> blessings okay so what did wikipedia say about house blessings what is it so house blessings are also known as house clearings house cleansings house healings Or space clearing. I thought I said house clearing twice, but I wrote space clearing. Phew, thank God. <laughs> okay. House blessings are rites intended to protect the inhabitants of a house or apartment from misfortune, whether before moving into it, it the house, or to heal it after an occupancy or after an occurrence. So someone else has been there and something's happened. 
Many religions have house blessings of one form or another. Um, again, this was pretty interesting because I was thinking it was a real Christian Western kind of term, but not necessarily. Um, they listed some customs from Christianity, Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, one of the Buddhist rites, which I really liked, was the hanging of new prayer flags each October. So they would do a house blessing twice a year, once in March and once in October. So like the changing kind of seasons to me, mm. so spring and autumn or fall, depending on where you are. But in October, which we associate as witches and some pagans, but we associate with the new year in the northern hemisphere at least, so Samhain. Um, and also in the Buddhist tradition, they hang new house or new prayer flags in October, and it was at the very end of October, so on the 31st, so says Wikipedia. So there was a big rite around this. They'd bless the, the prayer flags and they'd hang them up in a certain way in the house, but they had to have new prayer flags every year, which I also kind of liked that they, they so they imbued them with intention and, and magic in, in their way, mm. but then it would run out. So it like had a lifespan and they actually had to get, instead of just putting new intention into the prayer flags, they had to buy new ones. And for some reason that really, that really tickled me. I really liked it. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through a really quick overview, like a real basic house blessing. So what one person has suggested to do. And then I'm going to go into... I don't know, more witchy aspects and then talk mm-hmm. about like different changes you could make or different things you can do. So this one's a real overview and it's really, it's um, from Mind Body Green and it's by um, like a feng shui practitioner. So it's mm-hmm. not really religious or spiritual, but it's just about bringing in new positive energy into a space. So um She talked about house blessings as a way to invite positive energy into your space and life, a way to imbue your home or space with love, harmony, health, happiness, and prosperity. Um, She said this is non-religious and non-denominational, so I thought it would be a good thing to start with as an overview. So a few points. um, This person's name is Jamie. So a few points Jamie made before getting into the actual, I would call ritual, but she didn't even really use that term. Uh, the timing. So the best time to do your your ritual or your blessing is before you move in, or there, or before there's a big change in your life that you know about. So, say you're going to have you're bringing home a baby, a new baby. You would do the blessing before you brought the baby home, or if you're going to have a new. She said a new spouse, but you know, a new partner, you've got a new boyfriend moving in, or a girlfriend, something like that. Um, you would do the blessing to before they moved in to sort of create a space for them to come into that was fresh and clean. Um, she didn't include this on the list, but I would also suggest that if you're going to bring home a new pet, a new fur, fur or baby, you could do a blessing of the house or even the space where it's going to live before they came in. I could do that with my joeys. Yes, you could. I would That'd do it a nice. lot, but I could do it. I could do it. <laughs> 
be doing it a real lot. But it could be, it doesn't have to be this. Like this is a whole house. It could just yeah. be the space where they yeah. live. Just cleanse it out a little bit. Yeah. Make sure you use something that's okay for the others to ingest because they probably will lick themselves if you spray something or, you know what I mean? You'd have to be yeah. a bit careful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you're doing this and you have fur babies or human babies around, be careful because they eat stuff. I was looking at, totally off topic, but I was looking at um, like these eco-cleaning products and they were talking about, um, you know, this is not meant to be ingest- ingested, so keep it away from children, animals, and anybody that has an oral fixation. <laughs> <laughs> and I did that. <laughs> and I said it for every single one of their products. And I just, so I just kept reading oral fixation. Oh, fixation. <laughs> oh, fixation. <laughs> I love that we never grow out of our teenage no. brains. Like... No. I love it. I love it. I think I think people just push it down as they get older, like, oh, I'm not supposed to laugh at this bum joke. <laughs> but we just don't bother because well, why would you? Um, yeah, so you can do it before any new chapter starts in your life and it invites fresh, fresh energy into your home. So it doesn't even have to be about, the house it could just be about you so you're starting a new job so you cleanse your house you bless your home as a way to invite clean fresh energy into the space to help you on this with this new chapter in your life Mm. so I hadn't thought about it like that I was thinking it was just clearing old energy stale energy or you know someone else has been in the place you're clearing it out making it your own Mm. I thought of it more in that way but um yeah Jamie's Got a bit of a different spin, which I liked. She also suggested um, always clean beforehand. Um, she recommended cleaning, but I would say always, always do it. And the more I read about it, it became clear why I hadn't put it in these terms, but there's a really good reason why I should actually clear and then bless. But we'll get to that. So um, Jamie was only suggesting... Um, physical cleaning, so actually cleaning your house, so um, clear clutter, dusting, cleaning away dirt, that kind of thing. She didn't say anything about um, energetic clearing, but again, I'd suggest that. I'd probably recommend and say you should, but we'll get to that. Okay, so here's a really quick one down of what Jamie suggested. It's five steps. I read ones that were hugely long, much longer than five steps, and I read ones (laughs) that were just stand in the middle of your house and visualize kind of thing. So it's up to you what you want to do. I liked this one. It was simple but enough made it it was much it was still a little ritual that but mm-hmm. you could do it pretty simply. Mm-hmm. Um so you can invite she suggested inviting like-minded friends and family to participate if you wanted. <laughs> I thought you were doing this with your middle finger. No, I was doing the no. Japanese point where you point at your nose. <laughs> yeah. I got it after like a whole second of going. I couldn't do it down going... here because you can't see my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, why is she, what did I do? You can come and help me if you like. <laughs> Am I supposed to say it? Sorry. <laughs> um, okay. So, yes, invite like-minded friends and family to participate. <laughs> Including your best friend who will stick their finger up at you in a, in a way that you don't understand if you don't And I'll do it to the, the messy energy in the place too. Yes. Give it Yay. a finger. Yeah, there we go. There we go. We got there. 
Um, okay, so step one, set the tone. This could be in almost any way you'd like. Um, so she suge- uh, Jamie suggested calming music. Um, you know, you could, well, we've come to that. Jamie suggested uh, calming music to set the tone for how you want this ritual to go. And then ask your participants to stand in a circle. Step two, welcome and thank all present and make it, I don't know, make a bit of an introductory, not a speech, but just a few words as it's a, it's a special occasion. So mark it as such. So set your intention and start how you want this to go. Um, step three, light a pink candle, which represents love and kindness. If you wanted to bring in something else, I suppose you could light a different color candle if you wanted. Pink's good, white always works. So if you're just doing this quickly, grab a white candle, a tea light, that will always work. Then pass the candle to each person who could, who then shares a blessing for the home or possibly for the people entering the new chapter in their life. So if you've got, you know, a few people there, they could say what they wish for you in your new house or like, health and happiness to the new parents or parents of fur babies or whatever is going to happen. So you're still standing in your circle. This next part was optional, but I actually thought this was, for me, this was quite important and I would suggest doing it. Um, You can walk into each area of your home and state specific intentions for each space. This designates a special purpose for each space and you can, I don't know, set the energy that you want in that space. Because I went through this as a like a, a house blessing for moving into a new home, to me that was really important. But I suppose if you're doing this for a new chapter in your life, again, new baby, new job, new fur baby, new partner, something like that, you might not, you might not feel the need to do that. So for you, Liz, if you're welcoming a new foster fair baby, <laughs> you'd probably just do it in the space that you had them mm. rather than your whole house again. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, you don't need to do that, but for a house, blessing of a new house, yes, I would suggest it. So when the house is blessed, when you feel that you have done what you need to do in each of the spaces or you're just standing in the room giving the blessings, you place the pink candle in the centre of the home to burn for one hour minimum. Or you could, um, or in the centre of the room, say, where the new rescue fur baby is going to be. Mm. You could burn it there just for an hour or less if it's a smaller candle, I guess. Um she also suggested opening all the east-facing windows and doors to invite in life-giving energy of the rising sun. And I also noted down that east also represents new beginnings, so it makes sense. Um, other things suggested opening every door, every door, every cupboard, every drawer. Oh, kind of like you would with the cleansing in general. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you could do either of those. And that was all. That was it. That was oh. all that she suggested to do. Did- um did she talk about like introducing yourself to the house? No, and, and no, no one else, house? no one else did either. Oh, okay. That didn't yeah. come up at all. Okay. So it was more the house's object. Yeah. Which I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that. Mm. But my the place I'm moving to is is it's not old, old, but it's twenties, thirties maybe. So it's a bit of an older house. 
1920s, <laughs> not 1820s. I would have said that right at the beginning because that would be cool and probably very hard to heat. But anyway, um, so my the, the place I'm going to move to will definitely have its own character and its own energy. So um, when I walked through, it felt really good. It felt really, really good. It was lovely. But, um, yeah, definitely. That is definitely something I would say even before all of this stuff. Introduce yourself. See what's there. If this is a new house, yeah, go in and say, hey, I'm I'm Hannah. How are you? <laughs> Who's here? I don't know if you've ever watched um, Marie Kondo. This isn't actually where I got this from. It's actually from okay. um, Nordic, Ooh, Nordic okay. witchcraft. But, cool, cool. Um, folk witchcraft but yep. um marie kondo does it when she goes to ah, to in her tv show home. Yeah. yeah and she'll stop and she'll like introduce herself to the house like have this moment of silence and yeah i like that idea i yeah. do like it very much yeah. yeah and yeah no one no one else said about it no okay. one okay so that yeah. was interesting it was it was purely the house is an object you clear old energy and invite new energy it doesn't have anything of its own, hmm. which is interesting because hmm. it's hmm. of sometimes really, really not true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the next lot of tips, I suppose you could call them, or like um, just list of things you can do is from Apartment Therapy by a lady named Julie. So... She started out by saying, moving symbolizes a fresh start, exciting opportunities. But moving can also be highly stressful and an emotionally, physically, and mentally exhausting experience. Why bring all that negative energy with you? I included that because I hadn't thought about that before. So the actual experience of moving to a new place can actually be really stressful. It's one of the more stressful things that we experience, at least in the West. So, yeah, why bring all that energy with you? So this article with its set of like tips and tricks kind of thing was more around that. So it, it isn't just a layout of a ritual, but just things that you could do, which I kind of liked a lot of the ideas. Um, so her first one is to buy a new broom. So brooms are very witchily symbolic. Um, I also read to buy a new broom and a new mop. Oh, yeah, and a mop. And a mop. So symbolically, yeah, you don't want anything from your previous house coming with you, so you buy something fresh and new um, and you can clear it to, you can can clear it to use. You can use it to clear away like the stale energy that might be left behind, so it might be one of the, a good thing to buy like first up and like give your house a a freshen up, but like energetically as well, so it can sweep Mm. everywhere and, and also mop if you wanted. But the other thing that was brought up was that, yeah, physically, do you really want to bring the dirt with you that's physically on that item? Unless you paid a lot of money for it, I suppose. But, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so get a new mop and a new broom. I really like that idea. Her next idea was bring bread, salt and honey into the house. So she didn't mention which traditions this is from but they were offerings to a variety of domestic gods and goddesses who quite liked those items and i have read about bread and honey being a favored offering to 
certain deities, but don't ask me what they were because I can't remember. <laughs> but um, they also represent bread represents abundance, salt can represent good luck, and honey represents um, the sweetness of life, which that all made sense to me. So, yeah, bring them in and, and just have them there as an offering or um, it doesn't have to be like a whole jar of honey, just a little bit. You could even bury it in your backyard. I like burying things. But you could give that as an offering to the spirit of the house as well, mm-hmm. which I thought would be quite a good, you know, bread, salt and honey, like a real real basics. Your house spirit might like that. Now, this is not a renting. The next tip is not a rent thing you would do to your rental, but I really liked it. Um, in the southern U.S., painting the porch ceiling now, it's Huint, H-A-I-N-T, Haint, Haint. Oh, that makes me think about his taint. Yeah, <laughs> but that's how it's spelt. Okay. In the southern U.S., painting the porch ceiling, Haint Blue. Haint Blue. H-A-I-N-T. That has got to be like a southern version of yeah, something. Yeah. I was imagining a sky blue because it's the ceiling. Um, I'm really sorry if there's anyone from the south, southern states of, of the U.S. that are listening going, oh, my God, she's pronouncing that so stupidly in an Australian accent. I apologize. Uh, so hate blue is a collection of pale shades of blue-green that are traditionally used to paint porch ceilings in southern United States. Yep. Um, apparently it originated with the Gullah, G-U-L-L-A-H. Yep, that's that's what I got too. Ah. And it's to ward away evil spirits Ah. because they can't go under it, I suppose, or near it. Is it because it represents, like, water? I assumed because these are islander people Uh, and they they descend from West Africa. So this says, yeah, Haint Blue first arrived from the Dye produced on low country indigo plantations was originally used by enslaved Africans. Yeah. So there is that aspect of slavery there. To combat haints. So haints must Ah, be like kind of spirits. spirits. Hmm. Okay. That was from Atlas Obscura. (laughs) Oh, I love Atlas Obscura. Oh, it's so good. Put that into my part of the notes and you can say that you found it. Um But I'd like that in there because I'll look at this later. And, yeah, so it's believed to keep away, keep any evil spirits from entering the home and it's from Gula culture of the low country, which mm-hmm. um, that the Gula, that word is from the Creole language and it's a member of people of the peoples from South Carolina and the nearby islands and there was West African descent was what I found. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And I had never cr- – oh, you go. And I was going to say, isn't it crazy to think that, you know, something that is so foreign to these shores is make it, could make its way here, you know, yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though it's built on absolute sadness. Yes, but, yeah. It was yeah. very interesting. I, I had never heard the term and I'd like to know what a, a hint or a hint is, what kind yeah, of spirit that is. Yeah, wants to enlighten us. Um, Especially about pronunciation and apologies. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if that is needed. Um, yeah, it just sounded really interesting. I'd never heard of it before, either the painting of the ceiling or the shade of blue. I so, thought that was a cool – this person, I think, lives in um, South Carolina, the person who wrote this article. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, just to add to the haints. Oh, yeah. Um, 
to combat haints and boo hags. Evil spirits who escaped the human form at night to paralyze, injure, ride the way a person might ride a horse or even kill innocent victims. Ooh. The color was said to trick haints into believing that they've stumbled into water, hey. which they cannot cross, or sky, which will leave them farther away from the victims they seek. How interesting. And blue glass bottles were also hung in trees Ooh. to trap benevolent marauders. So there you Ooh. go. <laughs> blue glass bottles. Ooh. I like that idea. You could have one. You could just have a blue glass bottle at your door if you're renting rather than painting oh. the – yeah, you could just have a blue That's glass a bottle. Yeah. Great idea. Love it. Definitely re-listening to this one. Um, the next one was hang fennel over your door. So did you talk about fennel being cleansing in a previous episode? Did you mention that? Maybe it was something else. Um, I think we were talking about it when we were going to go and cleanse someone's house for them. Yes. 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 Um, they wrote that fennel will protect your domain from witches. So I don't know. Maybe we don't want to hang fennel over the door. (laughs) But I do know fennel has cleansing and clearing type properties. So, um, the next thing was sprinkle salt at the front door. We all know about salt being, well, if you don't, salt is very, is a, another cleansing, clearing kind of implement you can use. Often, um, again, if you don't know, often in paganism, different forms of paganism, different types of witchcraft, they'll cast a circle with salt. And that can be like the, the border of the circle to keep out nasty stuff. So... Sprinkle salt at the front door. Okay, the next thing is open all the windows and the doors and the drawers and the cupboards. Open the house up as much as you can to so this allows fresh air to circulate, sun, sunlight which can come in, which is revitalizing. She also mentioned opening all the drawers means that any dark entities can't hide in the dark spaces. So you're clearing out the house, you want to clear out all of the spaces. So Include opening your drawers, opening the doors of cupboards. Don't leave any space dark where they can hide or where spiders can hide because I include (laughs) them as um, dark entities. So, yeah, open it all up. I hadn't heard that before, that that it was the darkness. I just thought it was because energy could get trapped, but I guess that's the same Same kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. It's mentioned for like fresh air circulating the sun, sunlight to come in because it can be revitalizing, but it also, yeah, talked about the, the darkness as being a place that things can hide. Essential oils is the next one. So diffuse oils to clear bad or stale energy out. Um, I think she suggested in like an oil burner with the candle at the bottom, that kind of uh, diffuser. Mm-hmm. Um, the oils that were suggested were cedar dragon's blood frankincense lavender lemon i love lemon myrrh rosemary and sage Yum. Mm. so i don't think any of those are particularly difficult to get maybe dragon's blood as an oil i think myrrh oil can be expensive as well but lavender is pretty common and lemon is pretty easy to get too um the article okay so the next suggestion was smoke cleansing the article called it smudging, which I'm not calling it that, but it's a few years old now from 2017. So maybe I'll, they missed the memo. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just leave that. We'll say smoke cleanse. 
it suggested again using sage or white sage anyone who's been listening to this and around the witchy community for a while knows that that might not be the best but um a few of the things from above so you could do like rosemary you could make a little bundle of rosemary and burn it or just incense of a scent you like and waft it because it's more the smoke the smell is important and what it's made of but it's the smoke so it's a smoke cleansing smoke clearing um so use an incense stick of something you like and waft the the smoke around because it's more the smoke if it's a cleansing herb or a clearing herb yeah sure but not necessarily Oh, she also suggests while doing this, the, the cleansing with the smoke and, uh, and the oils, if you wanted to, um, walk counterclockwise around each room. So for us in the Southern Hemisphere, it's against the sun. So it would be clockwise, yes? Yes. Yes. I always get that mixed up because they always say, walk counterclockwise, but they mean against the sun. So to clear out, again, to clear out the bad energy, you go backwards from where the sun go- rises and falls for you. Um, another suggestion is while you're doing this, you could say a blessing. I'd suggest writing your own. I will maybe have time to write my own. You can do it for each room or you can do it for the whole house. There is a suggestion here, which I'll read because I quite liked it. Um, cleanse this space, remove the past. I found my happy home at last. Fill this place with joy and love send your blessings from above pretty simple if you don't like the implication of from above being a god or goddess or something like that you can just say something else make your own but it's just to it's just to bring in good intentions so do as you see fit and the last thing that was suggested was to do a comprehensive whole house cleansing if you felt that there was some bad energy in in the house. So if you've moved into somewhere new and it's a bit yucky feeling, do something more than these suggestions. I tried to look at the link to this, but I had to log in to see it, so you're not getting what the deep <laughs> cleansing <laughs> options were. Um there were a few others online, but some of them were really in-depth. Mm. So, yeah, if you feel you need help or that you've got something a bit more, like if this kind of simple cleanse doesn't help, yeah, call in the big guns. My next lot of suggestions was I pulled these out from a much longer ritual. So I'll just bring up, I'll just go through a few quick things that this person said. So this is from Mildly Mystical, which is ritual for blessing a house. This person, I think, was actually from a monotheistic kind of background. So she she's mildly mystical, but she also talked about the Bible and okay. reading different passages. So that was a nice mixture, mm. bit of a different spiel on it. But I quite liked her her run through. But it was a bit it was a reflection on what she'd done. So I've just pulled out a few main things. Um, so you'll need a candle, probably a white candle, water in a nice bowl and a cleansing herb bundle, which again was called 
they call she called for sage and she called it like a smudge stick. But we're not using those terms. No, no. So just a bundle of herbs. Again, you could use rosemary. I like rosemary. So, firstly, she said, this person says, light the candle and fill the bowl with water. She suggested going into the middle of your home or the main room, starting in the main space. So, light the candle there and fill the bowl with water. If you've got other people, you can stand or sit in a circle. I think their group held hands for this first bit. Um, And, again, each person offered a blessing for the home and for the lives that were lived within it before they moved in. So this was a clearing. So they thought about who had lived in the house before them and and sort of wished them well. And if there was any lingering people, spirits or energy, they sort of wished it well and sent it on its way in a nice way. Mm -hmm. And then they went around the circle and each person just put their fingertips in the water and, like, either pushed good energy or spoke their their blessing into the water so it became sort of holy and blessed and then she set it aside then they went through and read a more formal blessing for the whole home so again inviting the good energy and after clearing out the the sort of negative energy then they lit the cleansing herb bundle and they smoke cleansed each part of the home. So they went again, I think she mentioned going um, counterclockwise or against the sun for in the south, southern hemisphere. And again, it was mentioned, do every cupboard, every drawer, don't leave any dark space, go into every single nook and cranny with the smoke. And then they also went round. So there were a few of them. So they went round. They did smoke and then they did the water. So their blessed water, they then took around and like sprinkled it around. I also liked that to sprinkle the water, they used a little like branch or twig that they'd taken from a tree in the new house, like at the new place. So they'd ask the tree to take like a, a, just a small branch and then they use that to flick the water. Oh. But in doing that, it was like including like an aspect of the new house in it, like in their ritual, which I really liked. Um, This person also mentioned that you could um, do a a separate special blessing for each specific area of your home or you could just do the stick to the overall blessing. So as they went into each room, they read a, a short blessing for that area. She says you tried really hard to find a blessing for a basement and couldn't. Oh. Yeah, because you wanted to make sure the basement, again, so there's someone from the US, so yeah. they wanted yeah. to make sure that the basement was quite clear of negative energy, but she said she couldn't find anything, which was really interesting. Is that because basements are creepy and terrifying? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why would you want to bless it? It's you got no hope. Um, I, I understood her, her, her wanting to do that, but she said she found, really, it, found it really difficult to find something like official about a basement. So um, she wrote a couple of things and put them in. And she also said, don't forget to go outside and circle the the physical limits of your home. So she did her boundary, I suppose, of of where she was living. If you can, if you're in an apartment on like the fifth floor, don't try and walk around the outside because that won't work. But um, if you've got a house and you've got like a land border, she suggested actually walking it. Okay, I've just got one last lot of tips and tricks from, this is from Refinery29. 
by a lady named Sarah, or a person named Sarah. She might not want to be a lady. She doesn't have to be. So I kept this section because I felt that she made some really good points about balancing. So she was, this person, Sarah, was talking about balancing the ritual. She said cleansing and blessing were both really important. So you couldn't just bless over the top of stale negative energy. But also if you cleared out the energy and didn't, didn't put something back in, well, you're going to have problems. Yeah, so Liz is making a face like, ah, oh, which is what I did. So, um, and I agree. So have do a cleanse, which can include a really deep clean, and then bless the house. But the blessing is bringing in fresh new energy, as I said, for the new start, bringing in the energy of whatever you want your new beginning to be or just in general like I want to have a happy home in this make a happy home in this new house or I want this fur baby to grow up healthy and strong or this human person to grow up healthy and strong or whatever you want setting an intention yes set your intention make it positive I would suggest yeah so Sarah said don't don't just do one so don't just cleanse out or bless do do both um, her second tip was cleanse with smoke and sound. So I hadn't read about sound cleansing or clearing yet. I liked the idea of doing it. She said you can clap, drum, just make any sort of noise. Do this in each of your rooms or each area of the house. Focus on dark spots and corners, much the same as with the smoke and the water before it. Um, make sound. Do any sound. You could, like, yell. Maybe not if you've got close neighbours, but, you know, drumming or even ringing bells or something like that. She said this wakes up the house, which I could understand, and it clears out any bad vibes that have been left behind. And then she suggested doing the same for smoke. So bless with intention. After cleansing, there is an energetic void that needs to be filled up. So make sure you fill it up with something good, unless you're not into that, but I suggest something good. Walk from room to room with a spray bottle of rose water or some incense. Then to the center of the house and seal it with a wish for protection. So I like that idea if you go around each room in a against the sun direction if you feel that's important. But then go back into the middle of your home and then seal it all in with a wish or a I don't know, an overall intention for the house. I liked I liked that idea. Um, and the last bit of information she gave was about clean, was about the timing. So do the cleansing and blessing as often as you need to. She said, don't just do it when you first move in if you don't, if you feel you need to more. But the timing of it helps. At times of change or a fresh start in life, as said before, or you can do it at the time of the new moon as well. So if you wanted to cleanse your house each new moon, or even just do a deep clean each new moon, yeah do that see how that goes for you i like that idea and thought i would probably do that um a few other little bits and pieces from a website called ideas from tip of the moon which i thought was very interesting website name this person said you can give offerings so make offerings a regular practice have a house altar for example Mm. So weekly or even daily, um, you can give offerings to the house itself, to your space, to familiar spirits. I think 
A lot of people have an ancestor altar. Mm-hmm. You're nodding. Well, I have an ancestor altar. I wasn't sure if you wanted to say. So Liz has an ancestor altar and, you know, you make regular offerings. Um, mm, semi-regular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's something I'm, I'm planning to have in a new place. I'd really like mm. a like a space to, to honour my ancestors. Um, Liz has the most awesome family tree, which I really <laughs> like. Um, I don't know if I'm that creative, but I'll see what I can do. <laughs> actually i have this it's going to sound really dodgy but it's not it's like a white painted wooden christmas tree it's not very christmassy though but i like the idea of like hanging my different ancestor photos because some of them are pretty small mm. from the different branches and having that oh, as my altar yeah because i yeah. can't i can't draw a tree <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting a drawn tree sorry peeps so you're gonna have to have this nice like wooden white one I always um, liked, sorry, mm-hmm. just to hijack, I always yeah. liked the idea of doing, um, like, the top part of the tree as one part of my family and then the roots the other part of the family, but I couldn't draw that. It just ended up looking stupid, so <laughs> that's just... I really like that tree. idea, but yeah. I can't even draw, heart, like, the top part of that tree, so I ain't doing it. like that idea, though. Um, oh, examples... Of offerings that you could give, especially if you're giving daily offerings, um, coins, buttons, which I really liked, flowers, candles, herbs, burning incense, chalice of water or wine. Mm, wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. And then use words de- to dedicate your offering. Um, other things you can do is sprinkle sun or moon water throughout your house. That might be a good idea to do, you know, at the new moon if you wanted to do something regularly. And last but not least, use a floor wash. Now, we have we talked much about floor washes or has it been in other podcasts that I've listened to? I love other the idea. Podcasts. I love yeah. the idea of a floor wash. Um, no guesses where. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know what it meant when they – because they talked about bucket water and I was like, what, the, what, what is it? What's bucket water? Is it a thing? Is it a cleaning product? <laughs> yeah. It was actually the water in, that goes in the – bucket <laughs> that you use like quite literally bucket water yeah bucket water water in a bucket um and it, you make a floor wash out of the bucket water and I was like what are they talking about I got it in the end it just took me a really long time um so the suggestion here is half a cup of florida water to a mop bucket okay yeah so florida water I had to look it up because I wasn't sure exactly what it was it's a term that is trademarked. It's actually a trademark term. It is a type of cologne, which I, I had no idea what it was. And it's got a sweet orange base and it can have lavender and cloves and others like spicy notes, which I really liked. So if you want to make some Florida water, Australian people who don't know what that is, <laughs> the herbs you need are sweetgrass, lavender, sage, and cedar. That's the suggestion. So dried, all of those dried. Steep half a cup of each of these herbs in six cups of vodka for 14 days. And then strain it. That's it. You've got your Florida water. I bought mine. Yeah, I will probably buy some too. Mm. <laughs> There's a person in Launceston that um, makes if you want to get it locally. Send me info, please. Because <laughs> I'd much rather have it from in Tasmania. And that is all. That is all that I had. So, I just 
will say, can I just say about the, um, just like a disclaimer, maybe Go with for the, it. uh, floor wash like obviously you can use any herbs and essential oils you can just make sure that your pets if you have pets be careful uh, yeah because they will <laughs> lick it they will walk on it and then they will lick it if you have anyone with an oral fixation including <laughs> pets children and some adults and yourself yeah or yourself <laughs> be really careful with what you wash with but i mean the other thing you've got to think of which i just thought then as i was saying that mm. um some people wash, we've done it. I did it in houses I've lived in. They'll wash their floors with quite harsh chemicals to clean mm. and then the pets will walk on them and they'll mm. be licking like bleach off their feet. Mm. So mm. please be careful, everybody. Yeah. If you have anything like that, you can just wash your floor with like a mixture, half a cup of white vinegar in the bucket and that will cleanse it, that will keep it clean, you'll kill germs, it will be fine. I wouldn't suggest licking it because it'll taste gross. But it won't kill anybody, <laughs> pet um, or little person, I, I don't think. I often wash my floor with Four Thieves vinegar. Yeah. So. so just be aware of whom is going to walk on your mm. floor that is wet and will lick their feet. <laughs> Especially yeah. if it's small and grey and fluffy and get shitty when you move and you're nursing her, meaning yeah. my cat. So love. <laughs> Lavender oil, which you can this lavender oil that you can buy. Oh, where's my camera? Yep. Up there. Can you see that? Here. You can buy it just from Woolworths. It's okay. probably at Coles yep. as well. Um, is completely toxic for cats. So um, got to keep that in mind. Yeah, we won't be using lavender. I might go the vinegar route as well. Yeah, it's. I use it in uh, Marie Laveau. Yep. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't but, think what that's called, but yes. Uh, yeah, but it's like, yeah, I can only use it in certain rooms because I don't want the animals to mm. to it, so yeah. And that is something I'll have to think about because my cat, I'm going to let my cat have free run because she can't go out. She's going to be a completely inside cat when we move because we're near a highway and it's much better for animals anyway, natives. We're also near a bush reserve, so I don't want her getting out and hunting even though she can hardly jump to save her life, but that doesn't <laughs> matter. Um so I want her to have as much space to run around in, in the new house as she can. So I'll have to be careful with what I leave out for her because yeah. even though she can't jump to save her life, going over there, she'll probably prove me really wrong and <laughs> jump up and knock things over and get into stuff because <laughs> she's bored and will want to explore everywhere because she's not worried anymore. <laughs> so you watch. I'll come home to mess everywhere. <laughs> it's like watch this space. <laughs> yes. So I plan to incorporate some of those things into a ritual or even just nothing particularly formal, but I'll be blessing and cleansing and then blessing. And I will report back. And I'll also let you know if my cat eats anything bad because I probably won't be doing the podcast for three months while I cry. <laughs> so let's hope that doesn't happen. It's not going to happen because <laughs> I'm paranoid about my cat now. <laughs> um. Uh, so, um, I was going to say, did you come across anything to do with, uh, crystal grids? I didn't in this lot of research, but I have read about crystal grids that you can put, put up and like almost leave up permanently as like mm. to draw power, to give blessings, to, you know, help you sleep well at night. Um, I've, and I read a lot about, not, th not now, so don't quote me on it, but I did read a, f a few things about 
putting them under your bed to, so you slept on them and they gave different they helped you in different ways so sleeping over the top of certain ones would help with your love life or help you in a job interview that was coming up or things like that i can't remember i know i have read but i can't remember what was done for a crystal grid for a new house but i have read that you can grid your whole house so you put them outside in different spaces and you can like grid your whole house to protect it or or inviting energies of different kinds that you might want i didn't have didn't read that this time though yeah sure but yes you can if you know yeah. more please add uh no just that i knew that it was that it's been done there mm. used to be a uh youtube which called uh kimmy the happy little witch or something like that i think the, um, i think I vaguely remember kim or kimmy kimmy it was something. kimmy and then yeah. i know um and then she deleted her channel and oh. then i you know I, yeah. I she was like one of my favorite youtubers ever oh. uh but anyway she um she she crystal gridded her new house as a form of protection awesome. and so that's why i was curious but i also have like a love hate relationship with crystals because yeah. i love them but yeah. i also know how bad mining is for the environment so yeah. it's kind of like would i go down that route maybe i'd get some river stones and just do that instead and i or... think like with crystals i understand the significance of certain crystals and i i have crystals before i knew like really took in even some of the human cost of mining in certain mm. countries as well, let alone the horrible environmental cost. Mm. But I think if you imbue a stone from your own area mm. with your intentions, I think it can carry as much weight. Especially one if it's from a site that you think is really safe. Yeah. So, yeah. And I don't know, I think both Liz and I agree in this kind of thing. Like we, we, we're more about now about making the connections in our own landscape you don't have mm. to go out and get rose quartz to do whatever because mm -hmm. that's the only one i remember um <laughs> what it does to a degree i think your intention is just as strong and a stone given what it is it can hold your intention really well so yeah you can charge it for want of a better word and it will hold that energy for a longer time than something that's more ephemeral, I suppose. Mm. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's that's my little or not so little spiel on house blessing. <laughs> I will good. let you know how I go. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. I end up using that doesn't kill my cat. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> yes. You'll be fine. Because uh, I'll make sure. Definitely don't use lavender. Lavender, lavender oil. Yes. I want to know about sustainability with sandalwood. Yeah, okay. Well, we should start a series on sustainable witchcraft. We I should. like it. Yeah. I like it. Definitely. Well, you know, I guess that's kind of what we're about because we like yeah. we like doing stuff within our own environment. So, yeah. Which is probably why it's going to be a bit um awesome. It's going to be a bit awesome. A bit, okay, let's go with that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's really hard to know where to start with this because sandalwood is such a big, okay. a big topic. So, what if I um, ask you a question? Mm, where okay, so where does it grow? Like, where does sandalwood grow in Australia? It grows all over the country, really, except for Tasmania. Oh. we're the only state that doesn't have 
a sandalwood species. Now, not all of them are commercially Question. valuable. Yeah. Are there native kinds? Are there native varieties of sandalwood? Yeah. Ooh, okay. I'll stop asking questions. <laughs> okay. So, sandalwood trees, they yes. are evergreen and yep. they belong to the family Santalaceae. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say that convincingly? And under the genus Santalum, which is where sandalwood fits, they're an aromatic wood. Mm-hmm. Um, so it retains its fragrance within the wood for, for decades. Okay. Like it's, yep. unlike yep. other woods where it disappears really quickly. So the heartwood center, so the center of the actual tree itself mm-hmm. is used to create the sandalwood oil through distillation. It's one of the most expensive woods in the world, which is why Whoa. it's so sought after. Like, I think one of the things I saw was like $3,000 for like <gasps> just a small amount. I can't remember exactly how, how much that is. I can't. It wow. was, you know, AUG. Sandalwoods are hemiparasitic. So what that means is that it relies on another tree to get nutrients and moisture. So what it does is it, it grows near a host tree, usually something like acacia. Uh, wattle trees are really popular with it. And it puts its roots into the root system of the acacia trees, for example. So it's okay. stealing all the nutrients. And the reason why wattle so popular is because it does nitrogen fixing. So it works really well for them. It hooks into their root system and takes the nutrients. And takes and it, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And it also belongs to the same family as European mistletoe. So, you know, it's kind of that parasitic. Oh, yeah, okay. So it comes from the same family. All right. So there are 19 to 25 known species of sandalwood in this um, Santalum genus. It -hmm. was varied. I saw some that said that this was the exact number, another saying, well, approximately this number. So, you know. And it grows all around the world. So, like, there's some in Hawaii, which has been pretty much taken down to extinction. Uh, Of course, there's Indian sandalwood, which is the most popularly known, but it's – and most commercially, like, sought after. Um, Mm -hmm. But, again, that one is is very vulnerable. So, Uh, India are starting to make steps to improve. They're good. Yeah, but the problem is, like, a lot of things, because it is so valuable, yeah, illegal things start will, to happen. Yeah, they'll exploit yeah. it in different That's ways. That's right. Yeah. 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 So, but they really are trying to repair some of the damage that's happened to the species. And I suppose, in a way, it would be more like this kind of, they, it's called parasitic, but it needs other species to survive. So, that makes it, you can't just plant one. It has to have the right conditions with other trees to, to grow properly. It's not just a case of planting a bunch of sandalwood trees like out in the middle of, you know, anywhere. Yeah. You need those trees that it grows on or in or with to be established and then you can grow more sandalwood. So it's actually a longer process than just growing the trees. Yeah. Ecologically, it's very sensitive, which yeah. I'll, I'll talk about in a, in a second. Uh, both, no, 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 don't, sorry. Both <laughs> species are the same. Like they're both, both the Australian sandalwood, which I will be talking about. The Australian sandalwood is Australian yep. sandalwood and yep. the Indian sandalwood, which also grows in Australia. Oh, okay. Both of them do require really specific environments and okay. have really sp- specific Sp- yes. needs. Yep, yep. Yeah. 
So we'll talk about that as well. Generally, though, like most of the, particularly Indian sandalwood, it's located in the tropical zone. So we're talking 30 degrees north of Indonesia and 40 degrees south from Indonesia. So like okay. we're talking a band. Yes. So which is why like Hawaii gets caught and Australia yeah. and uh, New Zealand and all those kinds of places, Timor. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Just concentrating on the two species, Australian sandalwood and Indian sandalwood. <laughs> okay. So one of the things we need to know before we go any further, though, is how sandalwood is harvested because that mm. actually matters yeah, yeah. to its sustainability. I don't know. <laughs> so really? the yeah. way that they harvest it is by removing the whole tree, including the roots. Oh. Yeah. So oh. it's quite – It's quite sh- that quite, that really shocked me because I didn't yeah. know that either. So, like, normally with forestry, they cut the tree. It's still bad, yeah. but they cut they it. Cut the they tree actually down. remove everything because a lot of the oils and stuff can be found in the roots. So it's oh, very okay. But they do they do use it all yes. essentially. Okay. Yes, they just take the whole tree. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah. which but, of course is then it's but, gone. So, mm. Australian sandalwood in particular um, is often sold in log form. So they use logs that are then processed for distilling essential oils or to make into powder to form incense. Generally, though, the main usage for sandalwood oil is mm-hmm. luxury perfumes, like obviously making essential oils to then make luxury. Yep. It's called ATAR, A-T-T-A-R, uh, which I had to Google. I didn't know what that was. But, yeah, so it's the way it's distilled to make yep. – sense okay so one of the big biggest differences between australian sandalwood and indian sandalwood is something called alpha santol which is part of the plant that contains that special ingredient to make make it smelly yeah and and has like health benefits and stuff like that australian sandalwood contains 15 percent while Indian sandalwood contains 46%. So Indian sandalwood is actually worth more overall because of this. So, yeah, and it has multiple benefits. It's antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, skin care, aromatherapy, reduces anxiety and tension, helps to slow down breathing, which is why it's used in meditation. So, you know, it's like, you know, that's why people are using it. It is used in in drugs, like in medication. There are some links with sandalwood and diabetes being studied so oh cool yeah so like you know it's a pretty pretty important plant really australian sandalwood let's talk about that uh it's called santalum spicatum i'll put it in the show notes (laughs) it's found in western australia and south australia so it's in this like really sort of arid region yeah like sort of in the bottom central part in south australia it's highly protected because it was it's very vulnerable in western australia it's still processed okay is that because there's more of it there i would say it's because it makes them a lot of money okay yeah but that's a that's a guess yeah yeah um, so South Australia, it's not being harvested. And if you're going to wild harvest it, don't because there's big vines, big, big okay. vines. Yep. Okay. The Noongar people call mm-hmm. it Wolgol or Uilaric. And I know I pronounced that wrong, so I'm really sorry. Yeah, but sorry. They're the, the, the local language names. In 1800, Sandalwood was Western Australia's biggest exporter. Wow. So, really? so it's been harvested since. Uh, since 1844 so wow. it's been yeah. heavily hit 
really, yeah. really hard. I also think um, now I could be really wrong. Apologies, mm. Western Australia. I think that's pretty close to when they were settled. Like they weren't it Europeans was, over yeah. there. Yeah, till... it was only a few years. It was yeah. like one or two years. Yeah. So, yeah, they would yeah. have gone over there, gone, oh, wow, a cash crop that's just growing. And, yeah, they would have gone in hard and, yeah, Europeans. I'll be quiet now. Yeah, no, don't. Yeah. No, it's, it's <laughs> like seriously, Europeans have destroyed – Bunch sand of wood and the environment yeah. essentially so mm. and, and other stuff <laughs> a bunch <Yeah>. of things <laughs> go being a world power they're saying that the natural that the population has declined by 90 percent in the wild so we, we're talking massive amounts being removed as of 2020 so mm-hmm. australian sandwood is the largest plantation resource in the world so really yeah in so the world actually, in the world so they actually have of oh, Australian sandalwood. Got a Australian oh, yeah, 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 yeah. sandalwood. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's also true for Indian sandalwood, but Australian sandalwood as well. So we sell eighty percent of sandalwood. We in, grow a lot world. of sandalwood here. Yeah, and we have plantations. So, um, so but I'll, the Australian sandalwood as a species is not threatened because it's grown. Like there's lots of it being grown, so it's not like there's not going to be any left. But wild. Australian sandalwood is quite endangered. I would like growing naturally is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. 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 That is going to be my conclusion uh, when we when we get to the end. But um, yes, essentially, yeah, that's exactly right. Okay. Uh, It's been really decimated in the wild, um, and particularly on Indigenous lands. So that's something I'll talk about a little bit in a second. Yes. I'll but, be fine now. I no, 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 please. I please won't ruin bring your... stuff up. No, 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 because <laughs> reinforcement. I love reinforcement. <laughs> All right. So, sandalwood grows three to four meters in height and it can reach up to six meters. Okay. Saw some things that said eight, but you know. That's a big, that can be a big tree then. That's like a big, that's a yeah. big tree, big tree. Yeah. yeah. It's very slow growing though. So, okay. it can take up to 115 years to reach mature size. Oh, wow. Okay. And they're just wiping it out of the environment. Um, and that's been one of the big issues is that historically they've removed these trees and not mm-hmm. realised that it's it's slow to mature. So yeah. it's kind of like orange roughy fisheries, how they yep. took the fishes before they realised they matured at 50 years of age. So <laughs> so they pretty much nearly wiped them out. But it's actually one of the sustainable fisheries now. So even though I hate fisheries. Yeah, some trees are estimated to be 250 to 300 years old, so wow. we're talking really impressive. So Australian ones that are still here that they've actually managed to protect, probably South Australian. Australian yeah, I would say trees. so. Yeah. I didn't find anything that actually mentioned which ones were protected, but um, okay. one of the things that's a little bit tricky is that in Western Australia, the government owns all the sandalwood trees. It doesn't matter if they're on Indigenous land. Oh, wow. They're still because owned it's by a, the government. It's probably some leftover thing from when they first settled cash yeah. crop. Yeah. We just own all of this. Yeah, and it's the same in India. Um, I oh, think okay. it might have changed. I really didn't go too much into the Indian side yes. of sandalwood because I, 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 tr- I did read stuff, but it was – they are starting to put sandalwood into like farms and encouraging yeah. farmers to grow it. So okay. kind of something that they're wanting to do here as well. Hmm. Um, it's incredibly sensitive to climate. So it requires like a certain amount of rainfall over a certain period of time to oh flower. Yeah. So you can imagine how that's going to go with climate change. Great. Um, and the seeds 
of these plants often fall under the parent tree, which makes uh-huh. it really difficult for them to germinate because there's no not much sunlight and the conditions aren't right and, you know, because they're hemi-parasitic, they need the roots of yep, a host tree. So yeah. that makes it also difficult for them as well. And the seeds are only viable for two to three years in the wild. Which is relatively short given how long-lived they are. Yeah. Yeah. None of that, like, planting those, you know, thousand-year-old seeds that they did and then they germinated. So, yeah, it's not going to happen for okay. this plant. So you might go into this, but mm. do you talk about – do they just drop the seeds? Mm, and that's yeah, it. It it's drops not... really close under the parent tree. And nothing else takes them, eats them, they spreads do. them. They okay. do. Yeah. 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 I will mention that. Okay, good. <laughs> I can that's mention what I was it like... now. I can mention uh. it now. So what happens is is that there are certain species, so there's like types of betongs that go mm-hmm. through, grab the seeds and they scurry them away and bury them shallowly, usually near host plants like acacia. Okay. And that's what makes them survive. Um emus also can you can poop <laughs> yeah but yeah. the digestive tract can destroy the seeds so oh. it, it can't, the survivability is less in that okay. way oh, unfortunately damn. um due to the introduction of cats and foxes the betongs okay. have been pretty much wiped out right so, so one, in yeah. the wild the sandalwood seeds are not growing naturally very easily because they're not so they're being just, redistributed they're just being dropped now because their main distributing animal is yeah okay so this is this is a bad news story i'm afraid to say (laughs) about wild sandalwood (laughs) i have another question i should Mm. just raise my hand all the time Mm. what did the this is might also be stupid did the bedongs take the seeds to eat later is that something they did or were they why why would they take it away and bury it like was it to eat later did they they do that a really good food source so it didn't say that in the article but they do say that it's a really important food source okay so they do a squirrel thing that's that was my interpretation yeah i did not actually see that written anywhere okay Betongs are not squirrels, but they're little marsupials and they eat seeds and nuts and, yeah, they're doing a hoarding thing. Okay, so sandalwood flowers also only flower at three to four years of age. Oh, so wow. it does take it's a few years a... to flower. Kind of like, it's... you know, apple trees and stuff. It takes a few years to, you know, get them going. Um, and then fruits between five to ten years depending on rainfall. So it... so they've got lots of factors against them. What does fruit? Tell me about them. Fruit, what is it? What's their fruit like? So they're like um, like round, orangey, reddy, brown, depending on the species, um, yep. fleshy. They are really high in protein. They contain 20%. Wow. Yeah. So they're kind of used in – that's kind of like the nuts used, like the um, – like in place of like – like macadamias or okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's it's actually a really good it's really food. nutritious for people. Um, as well? Uh, pe- yeah, so Indigenous people eat oh, cool. them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's starting to take off as a food in, like, southeast cuisine. Um, cool. Usually used in the place of nuts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're actually, like, really, really good eating. And there's, like, so there's with the with the um, the fruit, it's mm-hmm. it's actually been used to help reduce obesity and things like that. that oh, there's wow. been studies done. So, like, it's. Actually, a really um, – because of the protein content, essentially. Yep, yep, yep. yep. 
I know I did write about that a little further down with more notes, sorry. so I will cover it again. But um, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Economic value. Sandalwood, Australian sandalwood was listed as a forest product in 1844. Um, like I said, it was declared property of the Western Australian government. That happened in mm. 1881, obviously ignoring the significance to Indigenous populations in Australia. What a shock, as they still do. Yeah. Um, Harvesting was placed under the control of the Western Australian Forest Department in 1923 and it's been continuously commercially harvested since 1845. So it is an agricultural resource. Yeah. It's managed and harvested under a provision of the Western Australian Forestry Productions Act 2000, uh, Mm -hmm. which legislated the conservation and protection of biodiversity and for sustainable use. So, mm-hmm. like, it is actually managed. It is managed, yeah. yeah. The government sets the harvest limits. Um, okay. So that was something called the Sandalwood Order in 2015, which allows for 1,250 tonnes of sandalwood to be harvested annually. I wrote okay. that down wrong because that is – Actually, double. It's 1,250 tonnes of green wood, like live sandalwood, and then another 1,250 tonnes of dead wood, so dead trees. It supplies 40 to 60% of the sandalwood market. This Uh, is the world. This is the, is the Sand, world. Sandalwood market for the whole of the entire globe. Mm, 40 to 60% is just Australian sandalwood. Wow. So they actually made a $2.3 million profit in 2019 to 2020 on – that's Australian dollars, I will add. Uh, So, you know, it's like a commercially important industry, so it's not going to go away. Like even if we refuse to – to buy it for incense, it's it's not going to go away. It's going to be there forever, so potentially. So it's threatened by over-exploitation, so land clearing, of course, especially when people were settling. They just wiped out a bunch of trees without even thinking about it. Grazing pressures, loss of natural disperses like the betongs, as I mentioned, drought, fire, climate change. So essentially it's fucked in the wild. Yeah. A lot of the local populations have been declared extinct. Oh, great. And that's because, you know, it's been reduced down to 10% of its original. Original. Yeah. The first time sustainability was raised with sandalwood was in 1896. Oh, really? Yeah. So they've actually been talking about it for a long, long time. Well, it sounds like they've made – it's made them a lot of money for a long, long time. So they have a vested interest in keeping it going. Absolutely true. As cynical as that is, they should just want to protect it for its own sake. But we'll move on from that. These people are not our people. Sorry. No. (laughs) That was really incorrect of me to say. No, but I know I know what you're saying. It's like it's like when money becomes a factor, maybe it's not always best it's not always handled with what's needed to the best degree. Yeah. Yeah. That was dumb, but yes, that's what I meant. Sensitivity. It's not handled with much sensitivity at all because the money is what is important, not the whatever is making it. That's, yes. Yes. So parts of the reasons why sustainability is a problem is, as I mentioned, climate change, declining rainfall uh, requires a certain amount of rain for sex. sex? Well, it is sex. sex. Probably, yes, for successful reproduction. Successful seed germination. Okay. 
Almost what I said. Same thing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Four six. Three six, that is. <laughs> and it also takes the root systems like six to 12 months to locate and attach to a host plant. So if it's disrupted oh, wow. in that time, like... That's a long time. It's not going to happen. I don't know. You might, again, you might say something along these lines, but mm. Western Australia, for those people who don't know, it's, it's quite a different climate to... Tassie, where we live, and to the east coast of Australia. I mean, most Australians will probably know this, but for others, it's more. I know some pockets in the south of of Western Australia, like called a Mediterranean climate, but I don't think that's where this plant comes from. It comes from the real, yeah, it's a real desert climate, and it's it's um so they don't get much rainfall as it is. So that delicate balance of the rain that it needs can even more easily be wiped out by climate change because it's 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 a in my mind I could be incorrect but I, I see the desert as a much more delicate kind of environment because it's already quite harsh and extreme so keeping it as it needs to be to sustain the wildlife and the ecology the ecological environment that's there like only a little bit of change is needed to fuck it up essentially so this plant grows in that really delicate environment already that's yeah. where it comes from these desert environments these arid environments i mean they they rely on rain in yeah. certain times so like you know there's like frogs in the desert that live underground until the yeah. rains come and if the rains don't turn up like how long can they live there for like some of them can live there yeah. for several years but some can't and you know so and this is yeah. one of those plants that needs consistent rainfall every year for yeah. that period of time at certain mills and if it's not there then yeah. it's not going to germinate it's not going so to they, flower it's not going to do what it needs they have a wet and a dry season again oh, I've never lived there never been there so I don't know <laughs> much about the like there's the rainy season as people in tropical areas near to us probably understand there's the rainy and there's the dry and the dry is just getting longer and longer and longer yeah and the rainy season they're not getting the rain that they need so they have really heavy rain for a relatively short period of time and then none yeah, like it creates like kinda, little yeah. lakes and stuff that then dry up again. So yeah, um, so these things are really important for yeah stuff in that environment, the stuff, the ecology. Yeah. Okay, so another pressure, another reason mm. why it's challenged is grazing. So particularly from feral goats, mm. sheep, cattle, camels, rabbits. Um, it also mentions some native species, and I was like, oh. well, fuck you, because if you hadn't taken out the trees. There wouldn't be it wouldn't be a pressure trees. from yeah. the native species because that's their natural food. So, and in my notes, I like <laughs> I like went on a rant saying, "Well, they've been eating them for thousands of years," yeah. and you know, isn't that just predation? <laughs> and so, fuck them for mentioning it. See, obviously, I was mad. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Like I said, the carny, the money making crop, they're they're a threat to their money making crop. So the native species that have been eating it for thousands of years can't eat it. Exactly. So eating their money. So then my next point was the seed dispersal challenges, mm-hmm. which we've already mentioned. So you said about um, grazing animals that are not native that eat it. Mm. Do they just, do they eat all of it? Like they eat the, those seeds as well? Like it's nuts? Uh, I didn't specifically say, but I they would definitely be eating the foliage. Yeah, that's what I thought. Possibly the flowers, would they yeah. be eating the seeds? Maybe. And then maybe it's similar to the emus where. Yeah, and just... it gets destroyed, so it doesn't matter that they eat it. Yep. One of the things about 
I just, as a side note, made a note mm. about um, emus because I talked about, you know, them taking the the seed mm. kernels away from the parent tree but can destroy it in digestion. Mm. One of the things they're saying about Tasmania's plant diversity is because we wiped emus out, there's no emus here, that our plant <laughs> diversity has declined. So oh, that's interesting. emus are really important. And fuck. And fucking scary. I yeah. don't like them. When, they said, when I saw someone say, maybe we should reintroduce emus again. And no. I'm like, they were different species and I don't want to find one in the bush. <laughs> Can, Can I just imagine? Plant, plant other seeds further away? Yes. <laughs> but just imagine like that thick undergrowth. You probably won't find an emu there, but you're just going through the bush, just walking along and you can't see, like we, we get patches of bush that have like it's hard to see mm. the ground. Like there's lots of little... Up to about your waist, there could be a lot of little plants if you get far out. And then you just see this emu sort of rise up out of the bush. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is terrifying. Yeah, no, thank you. No, just they keep them to the mainland. They can stay there now. We can do other things. Oh, my God. That's how I feel too. I have a healthy respect for emus in a way that is fear. Well, they did have a war with humans, which they won. <laughs> Harvesting. So, again, over-harvested. Um, in 1845, 200 tonnes were exported out of Australia. By 1920, 14,355 tonnes were exported. In total or in that year? Per year. Yeah. Holy yeah. moly. So, like, they really hit it hard. And when you think about how in the 1800s they were already talking about the sustainability yeah. of it, it's just heartbreaking really mm. um so currently 2000 to 2500 tons uh, uh is the quota that are currently yep. allowed to be legally harvested did you find anything about like is there a lot of illegal harvesting there is still okay it's very valuable yeah i don't, can't tell you the exact amount but yeah yeah have they made guesses uh one of them said that they think it's between 500 to 3,000 tonne per year. So when the wow. legal amount yeah. is two to two and a half yeah, and, double plus. and people are taking it out. So it's the same problem oh, with fishing. It's like, yeah. it's like, well, there's commercial limits set where people yeah. are only allowed to catch so much in certain sizes, but lots of people just break that and it's wiping out, helping to wipe out fish species. So, you know, mm. oh, anyway, <laughs> let me have a, let me have a big, <laughs> rant about over harvesting and we're gonna make this we're gonna make this a segment on this show we're gonna have a downer every every month about how unsustainable like the whole world is (laughs) the government acknowledges that based on natural mortality of the sandalwood trees and harvesting Mm -hmm. sandalwood that it is declining in the wild and it will likely be extinct in the wild by the year 2100 2100 so we're not we're not that far away. What are we like? Seventy years, eighty years, eighty years, if I can math. Right. Yeah. yeah. So like, if something doesn't change in the wild, it's going to be wiped out. Which they can change. They could change that. They could definitely change that. But it's a cash cow of a crop by the sound of it, so they ain't gonna. I mean, that's why people are legally taking it as well. So yeah, um, it's been estimated to make green wood harvesting sustainable. So. Um, the live trees taken from the wild, it needs to be reduced to 200 tonnes per year. So when you think that it's 2,000 now, 
Yeah, wow. Um, and it's been estimated that 16.6 million trees have been taken from the wild between 1845 and 2020. And that doesn't account for illegally harvested trees. So that's yeah, just wow. the legally harvested trees. So, like, when you think that, like, that's a massive pressure on sandalwood. Yeah. So here's yeah. the bad news story. I'm giving you all the bad news story. So at the moment there are plantations happening in Western Australia of Australian sandalwood. Um, yep. We have about 20,000 hectares under cultivation and which mm-hmm. they hope will meet the export demands, but of course they've got to wait 15 years for them to mature. So yeah. um, they put them in in the 19 – no, that can't be right. It must have been in the 2000s because they're just yeah. – now coming up to being 2020, oh, 2026 yeah. is when they start to can start to export those trees. Oh, so really not very long ago. <sighs> no. Okay. I think it was 2009. Of course, like one of the biggest issues is that it's cheaper to raise wild, take wild trees because yeah, you don't have to water them, you don't have to fertilise yeah. them, you don't have to do any of that management. So really it's going to come down to whether the government is willing to make those changes to move to plantations. I think they will, though, because I think that they see the value and the money of the tree. So, yeah. So one of the things that they've been talking about is how to regenerate the wild trees and manage the wild populations. And one of the things is to try and get, like, Indigenous communities involved, and that is happening. There are some groups that are, are, like, tree rangers, I guess, and they're helping to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Taking care of their tree babies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, here's where I was going to talk about eating. Anything different? It apparently it tastes similar to puffed cereal. And oh. It's a great for snacking. Three times the fibre of a macadamia nut, 20% protein, can be eaten raw or cooked, similar to macadamia hazelnut and almond in taste. Sounds nice. Rich, I really want to get some. Rich in yeah. fatty acids and it contains um, something called zimenunic acid, which is only found in two genres of trees. So, Oh, wow. It, I mean, it's really um, – I said genre, genera. <laughs> and it contains oleic acid, which is an omega-9 fatty acid, which is good for cholesterol. Indigenous Australians uh, consume, I assume they still consume, sandalwood nuts as a way to cure rheumatoid arthritis and um, the oils applied to the skin to aid with inflammation and body aches, which is the same as Indian sandalwood as well. Animal eating. This plant is hugely important for animals. Um, So it's... It flowers at a time when nothing else is flowering Uh, or very few other species are flowering. So if these are taken out of the wild, well, the ecology is fucked essentially for some things. So it's a huge ecological issue. Okay, so range of progress, as I mentioned, are in place to collect plant and nurture seeds, um, and it's particularly focusing on Indigenous populations on Indigenous lands. One of the biggest suggestions is to move away, transition from wild harvesting to plantations. One of the things, this is from a Mitchell paper, which I'll link in the show notes, um, they're talking about making sure that the jobs transfer over as well from wild to to plantation. That makes sense. And if it's not plantation, then at least the restoration work. So. This paper that came out that raised this whole thing, this is the Mitchell paper, they said that it really needs to be reviewed by the government and really looked into yeah. properly. Um, and so the current order expires in 2026 and they, the government, Western Australian government has said that they're going to to look into it. So, you know, 
Good. The Forest Production Commission, that's the FPC that I was trying to remember before and I couldn't remember what the acronym stood for. You got there. Um, they are certified in the international standard ISO 14001 in forest management. Mm-hmm. And this standard is an internationally agreed standard that sets out the requirements for an environmental management system. It helps organisations improve their environmental performance through more efficient use of resources and reduction of waste, gaining a competitive advantage and the trust of stakeholders. Um, so while sandalwood is being managed in accordance to that, whatever that means, I really don't know. It doesn't sound overly promising, but... no. That hey. last bit of it didn't sound great. No, that's what commercial interests. I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to. Mm. Um, but again, they don't want the the tree to disappear because it's a huge money maker for them. So they mm. better do something different. I've got this operation called Operation Woli W O Y L I E, which is the name of that betong species. Ah, okay. It's disappeared disappeared from the environment and so it's like the man mechanical process of doing the same thing to make um sandalwood regenerate in the wild Mm. if you are caught taking wild wild. sandalwood illegally an individual maximum fine is two hundred thousand dollars so don't do it and if you are an a corporation it's one million dollars so don't take it don't take it. Now, is that Western Australia? Western Australia. Right. Because South Australia isn't – South Australia is probably different, but I didn't – this is from the yep. actual FCP website. Yep. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and there's a group, uh, an Indigenous group, Nougat Land Enterprise, uh, and in 2018 they opened up their own sandalwood refinery. And oh, cool. it's a joint venture with um, – with the Western Australian government, of course. Yep. Um, and they process 240 tonnes of wild and plantation-grown sandalwood. So they might be a good group to check out if you wanted to buy sandalwood. I was going to say, wouldn't it be great to be able to get sandalwood incense or products made with sandalwood from them and to know it would be good? Might look into them and see. Yeah. Mm. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff around, like, the indigenous uses of sandalwood, but I'm just going to mm-hmm. leave it out because I think it doesn't relate at all to the to the sustainability of sandalwood. Yep. But just that it's a really important product to indigenous communities. Just... You've mentioned a few things already, and just the fact that they could eat it, mm. like that would have been huge. That that it's again in that arid area, it was probably like majorly important in times past when yeah. they still had access to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, to this traditional food. Yeah. Because it would have been major. Yeah. yeah. And all the reasons that we would use sandalwood, they probably, I would say they already knew. And so they'd be using it for all the medicinal and other purposes that we would we'd be interested in too. So Yeah, and in like mm. um, the spiritual practice and the yep. wooden tools and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Indian sandalwood, and this is a lot shorter, so because that's, you know. Okay, of course, is a threatened species um, that is endemic to South India and Southeast Asia, although I did see somewhere that they think it was introduced to India from uh, from Timor. So, Oh, how interesting. Mm, I thought that was really fascinating. Obviously a long time ago. 
Well, there's this yeah. really interesting thing that I saw where um, wars have been fought over sandalwood. Oh, I think I've heard of that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was on yeah. Timor, for example. So Portuguese went to Timor, took the wood, Dutch came oh, yeah. in, wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then the Portuguese with the local Timor people that had um, created families together then fought the Dutch and then they split the island in two. And that's that bigger war. Okay. Mm. So, again, wild population often exploited, vulnerable to extinction, yada, yada, you know, the usual stuff. Um, it is found in Australia. It's grown on a large scale. They don't know whether it's native to here or if it was e- introduced pre-colonisation. Oh. They're okay. not sure. So, oh wow! But it's I just assumed here. it was introduced, but same. They actually okay. don't. They're actually not sure. So, um, it probably okay. was. It probably was. But not in that European invasive kind of way. Not, okay. not in the article I read. So, okay. yeah, which was interesting, fascinating. As I mentioned, it has all that really good oil, or more of it than the Australian sandalwood, mm-hmm. which people want. Um, in the far north of Western Australia, there's a company called Quintus, which is formerly called the Tropical Forestry Services, and they're the ones that control around 80% of the world's supply of Indian sandalwood. So, Oh, so <laughs> Indian sandalwood from here makes mm-hmm. up 80%. Oh, okay, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because in India it's just been... It's gone. It's been smashed. It, it needs to regenerate. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, they're still Whereas, selling it, and yeah. but it's just declined. it's wild it's all wild there's plantations in uh, starting oh there are plantations in india now but again because it's a long-lived tree yeah so they're just starting whereas we have plantations of indian I as well i couldn't tell you the exact dates okay. but there are yeah yeah okay plantations. yeah 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 ours are from plantations now so like yes, we're yeah, actually yeah. at that stage yeah, 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 yeah. uh okay and they say they follow ethical and sustainable practices as well. So um, the same thing, it needs to be 15 years old to be uh, fragrant and viable. Yeah. Uh, Same issues with agriculture and fire, like it's just really land clearing in general. You know, those kinds of pressures are on the wild, wild, whatever that means in Australia. Yeah. So with the seed dispersal, I just I don't know if you read this, mm. the seed dispersal, because I love the animals, the seed dispersal <laughs> of the Indian in India, the mm. Indian sandalwood in India, mm. did it have the same problem with dropping the seeds and so it just dropped the seeds? Did anything transport internally or not internally the seeds over there? So I chose to skip the entire ecological section okay. of Indian sandalwood just because I was going to talk about it in terms of Australia. Okay. I was just wondering and thinking about like seed dispersal with it and wondered if you looked at it because I would say over there there'd be more than just a little betong because <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> I don't have them. That yeah. was dispersing the seed there, so that may not have been a, such a big issue. Yeah, it didn't It didn't say. It Really, it comes down to, like, you know, sandalwood's been used for thousands of years. Yeah. Like, so the, the exploitation has come as demand has turned up. and Yeah. Yeah, so, mm. um, yeah, didn't say. Or I didn't read it. Mm. I skipped it. Uh, so um, in Australia, um, mm. Indian sandalwood, which is, uh, let me say that in the scientific name. So we have it. Uh, I didn't write it down. So it's S album anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. 
it's now only sourced and managed from commercial plantations. So if this is something that is important to you, uh, maybe, again, this is another group to look into to buy from. Yeah. Includes trees, logs, roots, butts, piece, butts, I love that, pieces, <laughs> chips, powders, shavings, and oils. So that's what it's, ex- it's exploited for. Um, 60% of sandalwood is used in attar. Indian sandalwood is used in attar preparations, which is a form of distilling. 10% in mm-hmm. perfumes, 10% in soaps and toiletries, 14% in handicrafts, 5% in medicine, and only 1% in incense. Oh, okay. Incense yeah. sticks. Yeah, so incense buying isn't going to make... Much for a difference. No, if you really want to, if you really want to make a stand about sandalwood, you need to check all your products. You need to check yeah. your toiletries. You need to check your, your, you know, lotions. You need you need to yep. make the same choice that you would with palm oil. It needs yeah. to be on a larger scale than just incense. I mean, that's a particularly witchy aspect of it but it's it's bigger it's way bigger like obviously the oil Mm. is a big chunk of it uh one cute thing i thought was that for centuries indian sandalwood was called old mountain by the chinese um and when australia sandalwood took off the chinese called it new mountain and so i was like i love that so you got old mountain and new mountain yeah so in india apparently they consume 500 million incense sticks every day Whoa. And that's only one percent. Like, if you think about like globally, that's one percent. So, wow, that's nuts. Like, not just India, because obviously Japan and China and all these yeah. places also use it. Uh, this species is found in Northern Territory. Uh, the fruit takes ninety-five days to ripen, which is oh also wow, intriguing. That's I didn't a long time. Re- yeah, I didn't realize that either. I didn't even know that it had fruit, let's be honest. Um, the flowers look self-pollinating, but if they do self-fertilise, then they just drop off. They actually need uh, other species to pollinate. So okay. flies, bees, yeah. butterflies, wasps, that kind of thing. First plantation was in 1999. That's where it got the 1999 from. Um, and the other, so Quintus is the largest and Santanol, which is another company who does Indian mm. sandalwood, they're the second largest producer. So in the world, I believe. Oh, wow. Um, so it was kind of funny to hear that we're like one of the biggest producers of sandalwood. I didn't yeah. realize that. Like when you see all that stuff online about sandalwood being a pro- problematic and you shouldn't be yeah. using it and blah, 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 it kind yeah. of was like, I guess I just assumed it was coming out of India. I didn't really think about it as being Australian. But that's actually our problem. Like we're contributing to that problem. Absolutely. Like a- at companies here and mm. their practices it's not it's not somewhere else no it's some, no yeah no but i just this is us i just didn't realize that it, it also came out of australia so no no yeah me neither it's obviously used in lots of food commercially as well like lollies like candy for americans ice cream baked food puddings alcohol yeah so even though it can be ingested be careful because if it's not certified with a proper company they often yep. do additives to stretch out the Ugh. amount and those additives are not good not good for us so no. don't eat it unless it's no. like from a proper certified as actual food food like yeah. it's certified as food yeah 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 by the official p- body in your in your country <laughs> yeah like a yep. particular company that does it for food yes yes oh, a lot of it's fake a lot of it's fake and they sell it like it's yeah. wood. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's so expensive. It. Yeah, just don't, don't eat do it, it unless it's actually sold as food. Yeah. So pretty much, is, is sandalwood sustainable? 
Well, I'd say at the moment, no. It's not, no. I mean, there's the plantations, so yes, okay, they can keep doing the plantations, but I don't know, it, it ripping up the trees by their roots made me a little uncomfortable, but I know that's not particularly unusual with certain things. So, yeah. I mean, cliff felling is, you know, yeah. equally as bad. Yeah. Like, so, you know, it's kind of like, and that's for all wood species, yeah. like, regardless. So it's kind of like, well, I did see people online say, well, you shouldn't use it because they rip out the whole tree. And I was like, I don't know if that's actually a big enough argument for not using it if you're using wood in general. Yeah. Um, like, certainly the lack of sustainability of mm-hmm. it. Um it's not going to go away. The industry is no. going to exist. So if you did want to put your money somewhere, I think I would be potentially looking at plantation sandalwoods mm. mm. and not wild. Definitely. But then I also have the other side of that where Indigenous um, indigenous groups, that they're doing wild yeah. harvesting of sandalwood. And so, you know, I would like to support those communities in some way as well. Mm. And so do you in those cases support wild harvesting when it is by Indigenous groups that yeah. are doing things sustainably and regeneration, regenerating? Yeah. But then again, who has ownership over the wood? The Western Australian the government. government. So I don't know. Like mm. I think the Nougat people would be one that I would really like to look Yes, with what they're yes. doing because they've got plantation wood as well um, in conjunction with um, Western Australian forestry. Um, yeah. I suppose really you just have to think about what you want to do with these products, but say for, well, I won't even say just for the incense, but go and look at the company websites, see what they say, go and look at the Indigenous groups websites and see what what they're doing their statements and then just make the decision for yourself i think um i liked what you said earlier about um comparing it to palm oil so it's not just Mm. your your incense you have to think about it in so many other products because it is in so many other products i didn't i sort of understood but whenever something said oh it's sandalwood scented or sandalwood oil or whatever i just if it was particularly cheap i just assumed it was fake yeah which sometimes I it mean, is but it sometimes it is. might yeah. not all be fake you know and then they just yeah. bulk it out yeah. with so much other stuff so you just have to you have to look at every a lot of things especially beauty products and home scent products and even i think you said earlier some food has elements of sandalwood in it Mm. so you'd have to look at everything like like people have done with palm oil it's you can make changes by doing this kind of thing and if enough people do then change will happen it's a big Mm. money-making industry so and it's a worldwide like you know 80 percent is exported so like Mm. uh 80% 80% is exported. No, 80% of the world's sandalwood comes from Australia. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like, you know, they're not going to stop exporting it to other countries for them to use things because they're making, like, every other forestry industry in Western Australia had a decrease. Like, they actually yeah. made a loss. This is the only one that made a profit, and so yeah. they're not going to get rid of it. No. Um, yeah, but I definitely have feelings towards wild 
Yeah, wild, wild non-Indigenous harvested sandalwood. Do you have to use sandalwood? No. No. You absolutely do not have to use sandalwood in your practice. No. There is actually no reason why you have to use it. Like, you can substitute it for other other things for it. Mm. Do you want to use it in your practice? If yes, then you need to ask your balance up the cost. Yeah. Look into where it comes from. Yeah. How mm. do you feel about it personally? Um. I actually, in a way, I feel, this is going to be a bit mean, but I feel a little, I feel more informed and I'm surprised a lot of it's from Australia. Mm. I actually feel like I'd have more control now because it's something that is harvested here and I feel that because people here are more aware of those issues for a lot of reasons, which we won't go into here, but mm. it's a government that's just close. So yeah. I could have a personal impact on what happens by talking about it and by putting information out there, by making choices around what happens, even though a lot of it's exported. Like I'd assume most of our sandalwood production is actually exported. But at least there would be a level of ethical standards that they were supposedly have to abide by and if enough people make a big deal of it Mm -hmm. then they have to be seen at least to be doing something and if we keep doing it Mm. then something has to happen hopefully will I be using it I think I I think I have like two sandalwood incense sticks left I'll probably use those yeah (laughs) the last of a packet but after they that, they might not even be real, real sandalwood. Probably perhaps. not. I didn't pay heaps yeah. for them. Mm. Um, I'll use product that I still have, but from now on, I'll probably look at where I get, like what's in my products, where I get them from. Um, but as I said, way, way back at the beginning, because I'm moving out, I'm thinking about a lot of this stuff anyway. Mm. So I'll be looking at most of my products anyway. Mm. And this will mm. just be another thing that I think about and make Mm. changes around Mm. as I realise, oh, that's got sandalwood. I wonder where that sandalwood comes from. Mm. What will I do about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Like the palm oil thing, like Mm. um, just recently I brought a a jar of Nutella because I was feeling very down and I wanted Nutella. (laughs) And then I was like, this has got palm oil in it. I won't Mm. be getting this again. Mm. I hadn't bought it in ages and I hadn't realised Mm. It's like I'll find some other comfort food. Yeah, so some of my my favorite um, or ex favorite mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, food sources are vegan. Like there's um, uh, there's some like leader bars. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, um, and they they use sustainable palm oil, mm. and I still don't know how I feel about that. Like, yeah. you know, I haven't had a leader bar in such a long time. Yeah. but it's like, it's like. I know that I still buy things that have Me too. sustainable palm oil in it. Yeah. And I and I do that with quotes because yep. I don't really know what it means. And the and the real issue is it doesn't matter if it's sustainable. Yep. Because there is so much illegal stuff happening, yep. like taking of stuff, that the yep. sustainability is irrelevant. Yeah. It's only the people so, who follow follow the rules. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people and don't. So that's what makes it hard. And I think that's what leans me towards if I am going to use it, I'm going to want it from 
places that do 100% plantations. Mm. But then they take the land to do the plantations. So, <sighs> I don't know. In that case, I'd lean more towards it and the, the Aboriginal, the Indigenous, the Western Australian Aboriginal, so they're happy with Aboriginal as a term, the Aboriginal mm. groups and mm-hmm. their work because at least mm-hmm. even if they're harvesting it, wild harvesting, um, mm. one would hope that they would have much more respect for the land than others. So it might be a better way, like they might have better practices. And then you've got like the Northern Territory and, and the top end of Western Australia that has the Indian sandalwood, which yeah. is 100% plantation. So I don't know. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's quite difficult and you have to sort of sit with it for a while and mm. see how you feel. I mean, it's like me with the Nutella. I might not have worried about it a few years ago, mm. but when I saw it, I was like, no, I just can't because mm. I didn't even realise. But now that when you know about it, you might, you know, you might think, oh, no, I'm going to be okay getting this. And then you buy it and you go, mm, I'm just mm. not actually okay. Yeah, yeah. And you just yeah. have to see where where you fall with it. Yeah. But I think educate yourself as much as you can. It's important. And if you're just saying, well, fuck off witches, don't use it, 1%, look at all your other products. It's in so much stuff. It's more than just incense. It's also, yeah. Many, many homes and beauty products. Yeah, Perfumes. Yeah. Anything scented probably has some in it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a bummer. <laughs> like this is why it's taken me so long to do this bloody topic because it's so in depth. It like is. It's I read through like several scientific papers and um, news articles, and then government websites to see what they were saying, and then indigenous websites to see what they were saying. And it's just like, and I've only just scratched the surface. This is what took me an hour, so I'm going to have to really cut that down. But to say it's really complex and it's not sustainable. As as it currently stands, yeah. it is not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. And it's as we said earlier, like it's just about the money. It's because the money is more important than the product or the land. Yeah, even than the product itself. It's the money from the product that's important and is protected. Yeah. Not particularly the land that creates the product or the product itself, like the trees. It's actually only the money at the end. For a lot of places, yeah. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. So this paper that um the mi- that I said the Mitchell that got paper? me yeah, yep. that got me started on this whole thing, like that he was it was his PhD that made it into the newspaper. Okay. Um and it's only been in the last week, week and a half. Yeah. So like the government hasn't had a chance to respond to it properly other than we will review it based on these findings. Which is all it's they can something. Say. Yeah. Yeah. They've acknowledged that it's there. They haven't just gone, oh, we haven't, like, ignore, ignore, which sometimes they do. And obviously they have made concerted efforts to decline their um, their taking of sandalwood from mm. from 14,000, 14, yeah, 14,000 a year down to 2,000. Um, these guys are saying, this paper is saying if you want it to be sustainable, it needs to be 200. So... And, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, you can rant and rave and say, yep, I want it all to be sustainable, okay, okay. Well, then you're going to have to be ready to cough up a lot more money for this product because if you're yeah. going from that huge amount yeah. to, well, to 
200, 200 tons, yeah. which that's, is still a lot, but that's not... That's wild, not plantation. Okay. But yeah. That's, yeah. that's not going to fulfill the requirement. So products are going to either not have it or it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And I think sometimes people aren't willing to adjust. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, I want, you know, f- free range, this, that, blah, 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 when it comes to animal products, but... They won't pay for it. Oh, it's too expensive. I can't. I can't afford to buy free range meat. People yeah. don't have meat. Yeah, uh, yeah. Obviously, I'm on that. Yeah, <laughs> on that track. Yeah, we won't go down. It, but like, <laughs> if, 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 yeah, it's yeah. Like, we don't have to have sandalwood in our practice. Hmm. But if you want it, it be, prepared be prepared to pay for it. Yeah. yeah, treat it as an indulgence. I'm not saying don't. Yeah. But treat it as an indulgence if it's sustainable and correctly farmed or correctly wildly harvested by Indigenous groups, but they charge more for it, go for it. But treat it as, like, really special. Only use it at Samhain or, you know, for the Sabbaths or something. On your birthday. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's that's really the big thing. And, Mm. like... But I, I'm still in two minds about the whole wild. Mm. Yes. Because if because of the illegal taking of it, yeah, the legal's not sustainable either. No. And so I just I really don't know. I really don't know how I feel. I have I have no idea. I actually have no idea where I sit on this issue mm. right now. It's, yeah, and you have to find where you sit. Yeah. With it, and sometimes that takes time. The other thing I just wanted to mention that I didn't talk about was um, that. Like the idea that just taking dead wood is fine. Dead wood's really important for the environment and ecologically. Um, for like, you know, especially smaller detritus material, like bugs. And then also like hollows for animals to live in and that kind of thing. So like, even that's alone, uh, they're just taking dead wood isn't an argument for it. So. And if they are only taking dead wood, again, we've still got the amount that they have to take. They can't take mm. enough dead wood. No. So, yeah. And I think for me with a lot of these kinds of issues, it comes down to you've got to be prepared to pay more for this. It's a luxury product, so pay. Think about it like that. Yeah, yeah. However, yeah. whatever you decide, if you're going to consume it at all, yeah. it's a luxury product because, yeah, yeah we've got to, we have to put our money where the better industries and better practices are. Yeah, sorry it got, well, not sorry, but, yeah, it got a bit heavy in the end. So we're just saying think about what you're doing. Look at your products. Make an informed decision. And only you can make that decision. Only you can decide what is ethical in this case. Yep. Um, yeah. Um yeah. So, and yeah. House, house cleansing. Yeah. What are some of your favorite methods? Your true and oh, favorite. Yeah. If you like, have suggestions. Yeah, let us know. Suggestions. If you have suggestions. Hannah needs them in I the next will, week. Yes. <laughs> so send them to us. <laughs> yeah. You might not get them in. This might not get there before I actually move. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. So where can people find us? They can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and we're witchy.bites on both. We have an email. We do have an email, witchy.bytes at outlook.com, and we have a P.O. box if you feel like writing us a letter or sending, or us, sending us a postcard. 
Yes, it's um, GPO box 93, Hobart 7000 and 1. And that's Tasmania, Tasmania Australia, yes. <laughs> if you are wondering where we're located. Again, thank you for listening. We yes. hope you made it through. I'm really sorry that my sandalwood section was so long, but it's it was so really complex. interesting. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's both interesting and horrifying. It may be the start of a of a sort of new series where we do sustainability issues, but also hopefully things we can do. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly about education, I'd say. Yeah, because that's something I did not think about. Mm-hmm. did not know about before so thank you mr mitchell or dr mitchell is he dr mitchell now <laughs> he should be a doctor now that he's written this paper <laughs> yeah. so i don't you. know if he's graduated <laughs> thank you soon to be dr mitchell for your paper i'm going to go and have a little look at it now yeah thanks everyone and we'll catch you at the next yeah. one thank you all we'll see you for number 28 all right bye, bye.